everyone. This is Chris Lenton. I'm the editor of NGI's Mexico's Gas Price Index. Today, we're very lucky to chat to Pablo Zarate, the managing director of the Strategic Communications Division of FTI Consulting in Mexico. Pablo also writes, in my mind, one of the best columns on Mexican energy uh, called Masaya de Cantarel or Beyond Cantarel, which is a really big um, oil field that was producing 2 million barrels of, of oil a day a few decades ago, and that uh, has considerably gone down since then. He writes that column for El Economista. It's a real pleasure to welcome you, Pablo. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Great. So first of all, how, how are things in Mexico City beyond energy with the coronavirus? Are you sort of sensing things slowly getting back to normal? How, how is everything over there? Well, I think that uh, Mexico has gone through a very unique process in terms of the coronavirus. The expectation at first was that Mexico uh, might outperform some of the countries. But as things evolved, we saw that adopting a very flexible mechanism that was not really rules-based ended up putting us in a position where we are one of the worst performing countries. And that has obviously generated significant strain in terms of politics, in terms of economics, um, and different things, right? Chris, I, I, I actually think that is uh, perhaps one of the key themes here, right? Uh, we are also seeing that in the energy space, right? I, I believe that at the end of the day, the discussion that we're seeing play out in the, in the public sphere is between some of us who believe that the development of our natural resources says needs to be rules-based mm. and other folks that believe that it should just be about Pemex and CFE, but it's, that's not the key component here. Perhaps a key component here is that there's a lot more discretionary power in the ideology or the mindset that some folks have in terms of how Mexico should take advantage of its really prominent natural resources. Okay. Well, let's let's get into the different versions of, of how Mexico should take advantage of its natural resources. It's, it's interesting, Paolo, the last time that we spoke or that you did an, an interview with NGI was about a year ago, just at the time of the president's first informe de gobierno. And at the time, the big issue was the contract renegotiations on the natural gas pipelines. Uh, listening to the president's speech yesterday, there was almost no mention of energy beyond sort of the usual rescuing CFE and Pemex. I think he also mentioned um, being against fracking as sort of a, a support for the government's uh, environmental stance or, or uh, you know, pro-environment movement, which also was quite interesting to hear. I mean, I guess it makes sense that he didn't mention energy given the pandemic and everything else. But what, what did you make of the president's second uh, State of the Nation speech yesterday from an energy perspective? Well, it's a little bit uh, contradictory because you're absolutely right. Even though energy remains very close to the president's heart, the the level of mention that it got in the state of the nation was not particularly prominent. We do have to contrast that with the fact that there is a 30-second TV spot. It slaps around the uh, social media circles and around TV and radio in Mexico, 
where the president has a very strong message about President Lázaro Cárdenas, President López Mateos, who uh, the audience might remember, President Lázaro Cárdenas was the one that nationalized the oil industry in Mexico, and President López Mateos was the one that nationalized the uh, electric industry, the power industry in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So it's really an issue of my own analysis is he, he refrained from mentioning energy because there are really not great results to boast about. And when he was speaking to the pundits, which typically we, we, we make a big deal of a speech, he didn't want to get into that discussion. But when he is trying to reach the general population in, in a much more direct way, which is what you typically do through TV spots and that sort of communication vehicles, he is making a big argument, right? Again, about mm. sovereignty and nationalization of, of, of energy resources. And he keeps comparing him himself with this to historic figures. So yeah. it's, it, it's a complex and nuanced read that we get out of this state of the nation, right? Yeah. That is something that's very interesting. We, we, you know, around the world, we, we hear the energy transition and sort of a, a looking to the future. And AMLO has very much sort of made it a point to look to, to the past, uh, which in energy terms just, just doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, what does seem to make a lot of sense for, for Mexico, no matter what, is, is natural gas. It's the dominant fuel in, in, in the power sector. And regardless of what AMLO says, Mexico simply needs to continue importing a majority of its gas just to, to, to meet its demand. Uh, we recently at NGI did a survey of the natural gas market. And what we found was, was quite interesting that, it, you know, the natural gas market sort of continues to evolve. Different types of trades are happening and there are more independent marketers. Do, do you think the natural gas sector is sort of an outlier in the Mexican uh, energy space at the moment? And that actually some results are, 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 are being uh, seen from the energy reform there? Yeah, so I think that it's both a blessing and a curse uh, because the administration has not made natural gas a priority, right? And mm. typically you would say that is a curse, right? Mexico needs to develop additional natural gas capabilities. That is an unrenounceable fact, right? And the fact that the administration is not doing anything explicitly to continue with a growth trend that the previous administrations had set is, is concerning for sure. But mm -hmm. at the same time, the fact that it's not a priority for the administration means that uh, the natural gas industry in Mexico is not facing, at least not right now, the same kind of regulatory pushes that you see, for example, in the power sector, right? Or that you see in the downstream refined oil products space in Mexico that continues to face more adversarial actions from the Ministry of Energy and the Energy Regulatory Commission. So perhaps, Chris, the moral of the story here, it's, it's much better to be left alone by this government and continue to do your own thing as an industry and to gain the attention of policymakers that have shown that their uh, vision of private industry is, is quite adversarial, is quite negative. Yeah. 
That's an interesting point. One other interesting point to go back to the speech from yesterday was once again, AMLO sort of talked about the USMCA and his great relationship with, with U.S. President Donald Trump, which, you know, which is which is curious, but he keeps on doing this. He also mentioned a few weeks ago the idea of exporting U.S. gas um, through LNG uh, terminals in, in, in Mexico. Do you think that ex- LNG export plants will actually get built during this administration? Well, that that is a very interesting point and a, a very interesting discussion, right? So you have the Energia Costa Azul uh, project from Yenova Sempra that is uh, attracting a lot of attention. It has attracted a lot of attention, uh, not just for the merits of the project, but uh, because one, it was again mentioned in the context of the White House dinner in the Trump AMLO summit. And I think that raised a lot of speculation about the project really moving ahead this time under the the right terms and securing the permit uh, from the Ministry of Energy to be able to export natural gas out of Mexico. It would really be a strategic project that opens up the door for a lot of energy possibilities and a lot of global energy trade. I think that uh, the the big issue that remains to be addressed is the fact that some statements from the administration make it sound like the administration is conditioning the permit of that project to the construction or the development of another facility in Topolobampo by the same company. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that goes back to the intro point about rules based uh, versus discretionary development of energy infrastructure. Under a rules based system, the merits of the project would be uh, weighed by the administration in and of itself. And you would get a decision, a green light, because of the, the project has merits, the, the project uh, should move ahead. But really what we're seeing here, Chris, is the the political conditioning of projects to other priorities that the administration has, right? Mm, so yeah. the big question that will remain for investors that are interested in Mexico in the energy space will be whether the opportunities that the administration puts on the table are exciting enough so that they uh, merit a reflection about whether they might make some sort of compromise on the rules-based system. That yeah. that conversation is, is is playing out in a in a very interesting way between different groups of business people. Right? You have on the one hand, for example, CCE that through their president, national president Carlos Salazar, is saying, well, we want to make sure that we get a lot of projects that are priorities for the Mexican business community on the list of priority energy and infrastructure projects, right? And Mm -hmm. there is a group of folks that believes that that is the way forward. Let's make sure that you're on the list, that you're a priority for the president, and then all the regulatory processes, all the permitting gets taken care kind of by itself, right? You're on a fast track and you can develop the kind of projects that you want. But there's a different 
point of view here. And I think that was expressed very clearly by Regulo Salinas from Concamin yesterday, who said, look, the development of the energy sector in Mexico shouldn't be around lists of favorites, right? Mm. The development mm. of Mexico should be around rules, right? If you comply with the requirements, you get your permit. If you prove that you're able to build out in a an exciting infrastructure project, it, it shouldn't matter whether the president or the minister of energy likes your project. It shouldn't matter whether they think it's the right way to compete or complement Penex. What should matter would should be the fact that you are willing to make that investment and do it under a rules-based system of appropriate regulation and appropriate policy making. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but but I think this is a good segue um, to talk a little bit more about rules and and, and regulation. Uh, Amlo hinted in a in a memorandum that he sent to um, to energy regulators. Um, that he wants to sort of go even further in, in changes to the sector. But there's another interpretation of that memorandum, and that is that he, in fact, respects regulators and was trying to sort of gauge how far he could go. If you're an investor in, in Mexican energy right now, what, what is there to still to be positive about in terms of what remains intact uh, in the energy space? Well, I think that the, the Mexican judicial system, the Mexican courts, have proven to be uh, independent so far, right? And mm. every single regulatory process that got introduced specifically around the power sector uh, kind of blitzkrieg from the, the the administration where they tried to introduce this Senase changes, this Ministry of Energy changes, and everything just to strengthen CFE at the expense of private generators all of that uh, has received injunctions in Mexican courts. And in some cases, it has been injunctions granted by the Supreme, the, the Supreme Court itself, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that if you're looking at as an investor towards this process, of course, there's anxiety. Of course, there's additional hurdles that you need to clear before you make bets in Mexico. But yeah. the fact that the Mexican courts are addressing uh, this issues head on and proving to be objective and independent does provide a layer of comfort around this, right? That is what's really keeping this conversation from going into broader rule of law considerations, right? Yeah. I think that the moment that and I, I knock on wood here, but think that the moment that you see that the Mexican courts are not so receptive and that uh, authorities in general are moving as a block in the different powers, you would see those levels of anxiety spike and you would see a very serious conversation around rule of law in Mexico take place. And yeah. that conversation, in a way, is relatively contained to the Mexican energy sector at this moment. If these limits were trespassed, um, I think you would see massive spillover effects to other economic sectors, right? Um, because if, if you are no longer abiding by the rules, well, that is a very big problem, right? But it's a much 
bigger problem if you are not abiding by the rules and there's not a judicial system that can keep you in check. Okay. Paulo, final question. In your heart of hearts, do you see the energy reform being overturned? I think that first, uh, let, let me address that in my heart of hearts. I think that would be an absolutely absurd proposition. If you see that the negative results in the energy sector are coming from Pemex and are coming from CFE, the mm-hmm. lack of growth, uh, the, um, the increasing levels of strain in the production of oil and gas, all the limits, all the limitations of the Mexican energy sector come from Pemex and from CFE. So I understand that arguments can be thrown around in an irresponsible way about Emilio Lozoya and whether there was uh, any sort of criminal activity and uh, whether there was additional participation from lawmakers. I understand that that carries a stigma for the energy reform that will be very difficult to, to lift from there. But you mm-hmm. cannot make a rational argument right now that Mexico would be better off with a legal monopoly from Pemex and CFE throughout the value chain. I, I, I think that argument simply cannot be made, right? So I really hope that um, rationality and sound arguments are able to uh, contain um, the overwhelming political emotion that is being um, generated by some of the actions and by how the administration is using the Los Hoya case to generate emotion, right? And generate politics, politics, politics. I, I, I hope that we're able to see beyond that. And I hope yeah. that we're able to understand that what's at play here is potentially going back to a model that really objectively, substantively doesn't work. Yeah. Well, let's hope you're right, Pablo. And thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed speaking to you and and hearing your views as always. This was great, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Natural Gas Intelligence Hub and Flow podcast. Again, this is Chris Lenton, the editor of the Mexico Gas Price Index, a daily service that sheds light on the natural gas market in Mexico. If you're interested in knowing more about the Mexican natural gas market, visit naturalgasintel.com and do a search for Mexico or click on the Mexico tab. We have tons of insightful news, commentary, columns, and pricing data that expand on what we've talked about. It is our belief here at NGI that market transparency empowers markets, businesses, and communities. And that is what we are trying to achieve with this podcast. If you like us, please do follow us, give us a rating, and leave a comment. We're so excited to connect with you and look forward to the next time. In the meantime, stay safe.